Welcome to Meekum Presents On The Move, brought to you by State Farm. It's the show geared toward keeping you up to speed with the latest auto news, event coverage, and expert industry insight. Now, here are your hosts, Matt Avery and John Craman. Hey, you are listening to On The Move, and I'm Matt Avery, executive producer of The Transmission. Joining me is John Craman, lead TV commentator for Mecham Auctions on NBCSN. John, it's great to be back in the studio recording another show. It is, and I'm really looking forward to the content that we have kind of got sketched out. Um, let's run that down. <laughs> well, in segment two, we will be having a special interview with Joe Rady. Joe is a Florida-based automotive journalist with a growing YouTube presence, and he recently made a big career change going from teaching high school social studies to following his passion of doing full-time automotive video work. So we'll hear about that and a whole lot more. John, what's on deck for segment three? Well, what we're going to do, Matt, we're each going to pick three entries coming up at future Mecham auctions and we'll uh we'll talk a little bit about it why we sort of chose those and what our guesstimates for the value are so yeah we got a lot going on it sounds good well speaking of a lot going on john you are off to vegas for a special project tell us what's going on there yep heading out to las vegas for a tv show taping a special uh, we call them Meekum Presents, no air date yet, but it's going to be featuring, among other things, the 1965 Shelby Cobra 427, owned by Carroll Shelby from the time it was new up until the time of his passing in 2012, and also a 1965 GT350R Shelby in surprisingly original condition. Joining me out in Las Vegas for that video and audio shoot is some real hitters in the Shelby American world, including uh, some of the staff at Shelby American. We'll be doing some taping there as well and Peter Brock who is one of the superstars of the Shelby era had a lot to do with the creation of many of the significant Shelby products and even Aaron Shelby which is uh, Carol Shelby's grandson is going to be joining us for some of his uh, comments as well so really looking forward to going out there and getting that done and I'll keep you posted on when that show will be airing on NBCSN. And John, those consignments are going to be crossing the block at January's Kissimmee auction, which is a good segue. We were just there, Meekum was just there a couple weeks ago for our summer special, Smashing Success. Yeah, and we've, you know, we talked about that last week, Matt, but we've got more information now. We can bring our listeners up to speed on pretty accurate numbers that we think are going to hold uh, as being strong and accurate numbers. And that is a couple of key points. Uh, number one, the total dollar volume, almost $19 million were generated in sales. Very happy with that number. And also with the sell-through percentage. Keep in mind, we do monitor and track that. That's an important element in gauging the success of an auction is what percentage of actual entries do we sell. And it was a very strong 65% sell-through ratio. And maybe another real important factor is, is our top 10 sales of that event all were well north of $100,000. Well, leading the charge is not one, but two Ford GTs in the top one and two spots. Coming in first, we had the 2018 Ford GT that hammered for $935,000. Spot number two went to a 2006 Ford GT Heritage Edition. This one sold for $412,500. So very strong money for some very cool Ford race cars. Yep, and they're representing two eras, Generation 2 and Generation 3, the current generation car, which I think indicates that this particular auction, the Kissimmee Summer Special, just completed a couple weeks ago, 
attracted a huge variety. We had collections, we had high-end cars, such as these top two Ford GT sellers, in addition to plenty of mid-level and entry-level cars. But we're going to focus on, for this recap, we're going to focus on the diversity and the variety that we had on the top 10. Coming in at number three, a 2006 Mercedes-Benz SLR McLaren, that was lot number S77.1. It sold for $203,500, but don't forget classic American muscle. We've got that in the top five. In fact, at number four, a 69 Daytona with lot number S108. We spoke about that on the show several times at $198,000. And a 67 Shelby GT500 Fastback, the first year of the big block engine, the 428, in a Shelby Mustang, brought $187,000. What else did we see in that top 10? Well, going back a little bit further in automotive history, we have a pre-war classic on the list occupying the sixth top selling spot. That was a 1934 Packard Coupe Roadster that sold for $176,000. Then moving to spot number seven, right back to American Muscle, a 1970 Plymouth Roadrunner also selling for $176,000. Spot number eight, I know caught your eye. That is a 1962 Chevrolet Corvette Resto Mod that sold for $154,000. Yeah, that was lot number S62. I remember that car vividly. And it's once again, it goes to show just how strong the market is right now across the board. Already, we're not even quite to the top 10 yet. A couple more to talk about. But we've got late model supercars with the four GTs. We've got the European mark represented very well with the 2006 SLR McLaren. Of course, classic American muscle, always strong in a Mecham auction. You mentioned the pre-war classic and resto mods. I mean, yeah, they're hot and they're, they continue to gain in popularity. That blend of vintage and new is just so hard for a lot of folks to resist and we love it. <laughs> well, in rounding out the top sellers, John, coming in spot number nine, that was a 2017 Dodge Viper GT Coupe that sold for $148,500. And then coming in an at spot number 10, that was a 2015 Bentley Continental GT3R, which sold for $137,500. Keep in mind that 2017 Dodge Viper, that was the end of road for the Dodge Viper. It's out of production now. Rumors fly up from time to time about it possibly coming back. I mean, Viper uh, has done that. It's, it's resurfaced in the past. It's been dropped and come back. No hard data at all. But for right now, one of the reasons why that particular Viper brought almost $150,000 is because it is the end of the line for that legendary high-performance sports car from Dodge. Mecham Auctions is proud to bring you On the Move with Matt Avery and John Craman. For more on the world of collector cars, head over to Mecham.com. Now let's get back to the show. Hey, Matt, we have got a very special guest. I met this guy in... Well, earlier this year at the Chicago Auto Show at the Press Day, uh, him and his wife, Lori, uh, came up to me, and we spent about the next hour literally talking cars and getting to know each other. His name is Joe Rady, and you might know him from Rady's Rides. He is literally a YouTube sensation. Uh, Hasn't been doing it for a long time, but he's established as one of the top guys. His level of knowledge and enthusiasm and passion for cars is really unparalleled out there. I love watching his work, and he is with us right now. Joe, man, thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thank you, JK. Thank you, Matt. It's a pleasure to be here. Joe, you've recently gone through a big career transition. Talk about how did you end up where you are today? You know, it's interesting because you would think that we could start off like when I started filming on the channel, but really uh, the the whole car bug and the the car passion 
goes all the way back to growing up in my dad's uh, mechanic shop. My dad owned a mechanic shop for about 30 years and uh, would go to work with him each and every weekend. And that's really where I learned all the ins and outs of, of not only the outside of vehicles, but also the inner working bits. And of course, you know, growing up in a middle income household, my dad, he never went to college. He was a jet uh, engine mechanic in the Air Force for many years. The goal was to get me to college. So I went off to college to uh, become a history teacher because besides cars, I have a crazy passion for history and I love being able to blend the two together. So I was a uh, social studies history teacher for uh, almost 18 years. So former social study histories teacher, why not anymore? What happened, man? You know, it's, it's fascinating. Uh, I'm really quickly learning. I've always believed in things happen for a reason, but uh, more so now than ever. Uh, I started just wanting to film. My wife for years was telling me, you should start a YouTube channel. You should start a YouTube channel. People want to hear what you have to say. And I'm like, sometimes my students are falling asleep in the classroom. So why, why would I want to do that? But um, it, it was interesting. I, I just, you know, of course, wo woke up one morning. I was like, you know what? I should try this. I'm going to car shows. So just with a simple $90 investment, I took a gimbal, my iPhone and an AirPod that I use as a Bluetooth microphone and started filming at local car events uh, in the area. So did you, are you still teaching or did you transition away from that to start covering cars full time? Well, it's fascinating because I, I was doing both at the same time. And then uh, I decided June of 2019 to hang up my teaching hat and, and put on this auto journalist car review hat which I'm, I'm wearing very well, and I'm really, really enjoying it for sure. Joe, give us some insight. How do you go about selecting the vehicles you choose to cover? You know, I'm, I'm a firm believer that in, no matter what you're doing in life, you need to do what you love. And in the beginning and even now, even more so, I kind of just do what feels good. Um, I try to, of course, branch out and cover as many different makes, as, as many different models as I possibly can. I have my favorites and there's always ones that I know that are going to be popular on the channel. And I, I tend to kind of focus some more attention on specific brands, but I literally cover everything from trucks to Jeeps, classic exotics and everything in between. Joe, you mentioned the term automotive journalist to describe your work. And I'm curious, does your background as a history teacher help you in that, uh, in detailing why these vehicles are so significant and important? A hundred percent. And I think that's what has allowed me to stand out amongst all the other auto journalists that are on YouTube platform. You know, people want to know the history. People like to know. We look at, say, a, a, a Mustang today. There's so many styling cues on a 2020 Mustang GT that the reason why they're there is that you could trace them back to the lineage. And I love background stories. You know, it's it's fascinating how many people have have commented to me saying, listen, I, I liked cars before, but now I, I like them even more. And a lot of it has to do with knowing what that background story is. Joe, how many videos have you created up to this point and how many followers do you have keeping tabs on what you're up to? So uh, the reason why I laugh is because a lot of people that know the channel, especially people in the industry, they're kind of blown away with what we have accomplished. Um, since December 
of 2017, and I started the channel October of 2017. But since December of 2017, I have put up at least one car review every single day. And on some days, we've done more than one review. So right now, we have almost 1,500 separate car reviews on Rady's Rides. Congrats. That's a, that's a major accomplishment. Thank you. You know, one thing that impressed me with our conversation, Joe, was uh, you operate uh, on air very much like I do and that we take our own personal experience observations with really the minimum amount of studying and scripting and just literally turn turn everything on and go to town. Not too many people have that ability. I've watched a lot of your videos, and with no exception, you just you just go right to the point, right to the essence of what makes that car special. You do a nice job of letting people know what it's like to be behind the wheel, what the highlights of, of the car is. Did it take you a while to get to that high level of competency, or were you pretty good right off the bat? It's fascinating. I think the challenge for me was trying to figure out what way to format the video. You know, there's so many different ways that people go about doing what I do where they may just hold the camera in their own hand and do like a a point of view around the car. And that really didn't work for me. What I discovered is, is that sticking to my roots teaching, it's, it's funny, teaching high school for 18 years really shaped me perfectly into what I do now. And like you said, John, doing that live format, even though my stuff is, is, is technically tape delayed, so to speak, I do it in a live format. And when we were like at the Chicago auto show, my wonderful wife, Lori, who's my videographer and my production manager in two media days, we filmed about 40 vehicles. So that was 40 separate reviews. Joe, I know that you have some racing in your background. Tell us a little bit about how you got involved with that. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that it, it, it's funny because my wife always is like, make sure you tell people about your racing experience. And I don't want to come off like I'm not a, a type of guy to brag or say that I'm better than you or whatever. But, you know, it, when people ask, I definitely want to share it. I had a childhood dream my whole life. Ever since I was a kid, my dad, the first race he ever took me to was the 1983 12 Hours of Sebring. And that really was a special moment in my life. And I think not only did it help flame the racing fire within me, but also going to Sebring and seeing the many different classes of cars and the variety is what really shapes the channel. We, I love variety. So basically when I, when I graduated from college, I said to myself, you know what? I got one shot at this. I've always wanted to do it. Let me, let me go for it. So I, start, I went to Derek Daly Racing Academy out in Las Vegas Motor Speedway, got my license from their school and I started with Formula V, uh, won a bunch of races, actually won a SCCA uh, regional championship here in, in the Southeast and then worked my way up to Formula Ford, uh, Formula Continental. And then the last series was a pro series uh, called the Star uh, Formula Mazda series, which followed like IndyCar. They were a, a sub series that would race along with those. What are some of the favorite cars that you have featured on your YouTube channel, and what have you got in your personal stable? You know, I, I definitely think that uh, anything with the name Shelby is very, very special to me. You know, growing up, my father had a 1969 Shelby GT350, and uh, just hearing that name and every Saturday going for a ride with him in the car, it, it really just kind of shaped 
what I review now and what my main interests are. When Ford released the Shelby GT350 on the current platform that we know it back in 2015 with that Voodoo engine, 5.2 liter V8, that's always been a sweet spot. Of course, uh, you know, I just recently did a Ferrari F8 Tributo. Um, and that was actually the first brand new Ferrari I've ever reviewed. And, and it's just, it, it's crazy because I pinch myself every single time because I never thought in a million years that something like this could happen to me where I would be behind the wheel of a $400,000 Ferrari and be able to, uh, to share my enjoyment and passion with it. But, uh, but in my pat, in my, my own stable, I just recently was, uh, was lucky enough to purchase a, uh, 2020 Shelby GT 350 R heritage edition. And yeah, it's a very, very special car. And it's actually probably one of the most perfect cars for me because it blends the history of Carroll Shelby of Ken miles of that 1965 GT 350 and brings it perfectly to 21st century um, technology and performance and everything. So that, that really is my, my sweet spot, but I'm also a big Subaru fan uh, as well. I have a, a special edition. It's one of 500. It's a Subaru WRX STI type RA. It was actually the first Subaru uh, ever to come with a carbon fiber roof and carbon fiber adjustable spoiler from the factory. Joe, we've touched on it briefly, but let's dive deeper into your methodology about creating content. How are you going about when you interact with a vehicle? How are you going about telling that story? Sure, sure. So, so basically, I try to you know have a, a few stats that I've kind of looked over before I see the car in person, and I'm usually scheduling things out about a week in advance um, with different locations, different manufacturers, so on and so forth. And I've I've discovered that. What works best is, like John said at the beginning, I just get down to it. Some other channels, they play a lot of music. They'll do really cool B-roll footage. And that's great. You know, whatever works for you works for you. But I'm the type of person that, hey, the class bell has rung. Let's get, let's get to work here. So, of course, it just, for some reason, it just makes sense to me to start with the exterior we do the walk around. I point out all the little details of the car. Obviously, any changes. I, I talk about that history. Try to find what could be connected with the past, and then we get you know do under the hood, do the interior, passenger, driver, trunk space, and then we take it for a drive. And a lot of people have really just fallen in love with that format. And I think one thing that's been very beneficial is that consistency because people know when they come to Rady's rides, they're gonna get the same type of format and that doesn't confuse them uh looking out down the road joe what are some plans that you have in the works to continue to grow your brand and your platform so i think the biggest thing is just uh you know getting more involved with uh the big shows you know 2020 has been an interesting year for everybody in the world uh in many different ways and you know this was supposed to be that year for me where we were going to go the full gambit New York Auto Show, Detroit, L.A., SEMA, and everything in between. And that kind of threw us a, a curveball. So I've had to get very creative with, uh, with getting content and whatnot. But definitely going into the future, I want to be more involved. One thing that I have found by going to these shows, I try to go the first day. Like after the media days are over, I stick around for the first general mission day. And I've been having what, uh, what a lot of people call meet and greets where 
okay, if you're at the Chicago Auto Show, which we did this just this past uh, February, I'm going to be at the show from 12 to 2 in this area. If you want to come by and say hello, I had over 100 people, 100 subscribers that came by just to see me. And it was very, very humbling to, to meet the people that support the channel uh, in person. We had a chance to hang out and meet a little bit just last week at the Meekum Summer Special at Kissimmee. You live over in Tampa, so not too of a long haul for you. You look like you were busy there, really soaking up the essence of Meekum. <laughs> Fill us in on not only some observations about uh, Meekum, but you actually provided some content there on site. Tell us uh, a little bit about that and where people can find more information about you, Joe. Sure, definitely. So, you know, definitely the summer special in my eyes was a hit. Uh, you know, it, I think a lot of organizations should seriously be looking at how Meekum put that event on because it shows that even in this day and age where we do have this pandemic situation that we're working through, we could have a little bit more normalcy. I like the way everything was done smart with temperature checks, hand cleaning stations, the whole nine yards. And, and really, to be honest with you, the layout of the vehicles, and there was still that great variety. And I think that's where Rady's Rides and Meekum, I, I really could see myself. I definitely want to go to more events. I know, John, you and I talked about when I'm out in Las Vegas, maybe in November, right. trying to work my schedule around to, to come by in November to the, the Meekum uh, auction out there. And I'm definitely going to put something like that together because I really feel that the variety and the specialness of so many of the vehicles that that you guys have to offer is really, really second to none. What did you see at Kissimmee that you decided you wanted to cover on an actual uh, YouTube program? I know, I know you did several. Yeah, I, you know, for for me, knowing my fan base, uh, anything Mustang, anything Camaro, anything Corvette related um, is is huge uh, on the channel. So I definitely wanted to hit up I, there was a, a beautiful 66 like you mentioned before that 66 gt 350h i was able to do a comparison with a 2016 shelby gth and it's it's fun because a lot of people i think my fan base it's like i do have experts like we are but i also have people that are new to the car enthusiast segment of of uh you know hobbies and they really enjoyed hearing that past about how Hertz rental car had these vehicles that were available for, for rent on a daily basis and what people did with them. And a lot of people thought it was Hearst that it, it dealt with Hearst. And, and it's nice to be able to kind of straighten that information out and whatnot, but uh, definitely being on the floor, that was my first time ever actually being on the auction floor. It was really, really a special moment after seeing it on TV for so many years and uh, just really, really exciting to, to share that with the with the fans on Rady's Rides. Well, if you want to see his work, check it out at radiesrides.com as well as on YouTube also under Rady's Rides. Joe, thanks so much for stopping by and we can't wait to see what you've got in store ahead. Thank you. It's a pleasure. You guys are great and uh we'll definitely be bringing more for sure. Don't adjust that dial. On the move, we'll be right back. Our program is proudly presented by Meekum Auctions, the world's largest collector car auctions. Now back to Matt and John. 
Well, John, it's going to be a busy fall with the Mecham schedule. Uh, we've got a jam-packed uh, calendar full of Mecham auctions events, and consignments have been coming in for all, all of those events that run us out through the end of 2020. And as we do time to time, we keep an eye on what's, what comes in, and we kind of earmark certain ones that catch our eye. And so for uh, segment three today, you and I both have sat down independently, found some highlights, and now we're going to kind of share, see what the other has to say. So I'm really excited. So what was uh, what's your first pick for the next auction? Well, no secret, Matt, that the C8 Corvette, the all-new 2020 Minigen Corvette, continues to have me fascinated. So what we're going to do is I want to just outline a little bit about what, it, what will be the third Corvette C8 to sell at a Mecham auction. And this is lot number S122 coming to Dallas. That's October 15th through the 17th, our next auction. And it is loaded to the gills. Keep in mind, we've had a couple we've already sold in the 90 thousand dollar range that were kind of lightly optioned not this particular one here this has got the full trim level the 3lt package which is the top of the line premium interior package in addition it's got the performance package called the z51 package which includes a variety of goodies that's a five thousand dollar option by itself includes performance exhaust upgraded brakes additional cooling some aerodynamic uh tricks to the exterior of the car and and suspension updates as well and even a special uh, summer only Michelin tire that's very grippy over one G of uh, force can be generated in cornering with that with that setup. Anyway, all that having said, it is selling at no reserve. It's been driven a little bit, 671 miles, probably has a window sticker somewhere in the 80s. I'm going to predict the sale price of this 2020 Corvette coming to Dallas north of one hundred thousand dollars what about you what have you got for a pick for us well you probably remember a couple of weeks ago we talked about the cadillac xlr one of my favorite underappreciated modern classics and i would say that this is another one this is lot number t80 it's a 1995 impala ss john i just think these cars are so neat they're big they're bad they're brutish uh they're only available for three years 94 to 96 just under 70,000 were made and they came in three colors black a really cool cherry and a dark green Underneath the hood, they had the LT1 V8, 260 horsepower, very similar to what was found in the Corvette and Camaro and Firebird of the time. All of them had great interiors and a four-speed automatic. This one uh, is uh, painted black and it has all that, uh, all the other components we talked about. I just like these cars. I think they're good buys for folks getting into the collector car space. I, a lot of these in this kind of condition, I see go for the teens to early 20s. So that's a good entry point for people that want a more modern car that has some of that very classic muscle car feel that people love the big size the room for people in the back seat so that's what i've got my eye on at at indy well and the nice thing about that car matt is it's respected by performance car enthusiasts as being something that maybe really wasn't expected a full size uh, impala sedan in the mid 90s didn't have much of an image other than just being a practical family car. And they really did a good job of dressing that car in a, in a fashion that it really deserves the SS uh, badging and the SS personality. What are you thinking that car's going to go for? I'm thinking high teens, John. Now, looking out a little bit further into our calendar, John, what other picks are catching your eye? Well, I saw a car. This happens to be coming to our Indy Fall Special Auction, October 29th through the 31st. And... You know, you pick such, the SS has such good value. I'm, I'm operating on the opposite scheme. It's a very expensive car. 
You like Mercury Cougars and you like rare ones? Wait to hear about this. 68 Cougar, it's the GTE version. That's a factory 427, one of only 101 built. They were all automatics. That 427 was rated kind of a modest 390 horsepower, but nevertheless, having that Ford 427 and a Mercury Cougar, so rare and so unusual. Eventually, the 428 Cobra Jet replaced that engine. So there are fans of this old school 427. I'm going to predict uh, certainly well north of $100,000 and maybe somewhere as high as $150,000 to $200,000 for one of the one of the coolest performance rare cats on the planet. Well, one of the things I really like about it is that striking color, madras blue. Man, that thing pops. John, any insight? Is that a rare color? Probably is. Don't have the color uh, breakdown. But yes, uh, keep in mind that today our minds are so used to the plain colors, the whites and the blacks and various shades of gray with an occasional maroon in there. When we start operating with these classic colors from the 1960s, they really pop out. And I think this really cool kind of an aqua color is going to add to the appeal of that car. Very, very good looking car, correctly restored. And uh, we've only seen maybe in the last 10, 12 years, maybe only one or two other of these Cougars. So I'm, I'm going to be paying attention to it. Well, speaking of paying attention to, John, this one was hard for me to miss. My next pick is coming to Dallas. Okay. It's lot number S124. It's a 1991 Dodge D350 pickup, but this is not your run-of-the-mill hmm. uh, pickup, let alone Dodge D350. This one is a radical, fully overhauled build that was at the 2019 SEMA show. Basically, the place to showcase your talents and abilities and any kind of top-notch work, and it looks like this truck has it in spades. Um, underneath the hood, is a 5.9 liter Cummins diesel. That was one thing that I noticed, John, when I was at the 2019 SEMA show. I didn't see this particular truck, but I saw a lot like it. Diesel power is becoming a regular in these kind of wild builds just because you can really dial up the power. Um, you can dial up the reliability for this kind of stuff. So a little surprise, this truck has it. It's got tons of custom work, custom frame and air suspension, custom body work, including grafting and C10 fenders and bumpers to fit it. And then rounding out the package, you've got 24.5-inch Alcoa wheels. This thing just looks super tough, and I expect it to bring really strong money when it crosses the block. Good point about that diesel. We haven't talked much about diesel power plants, so it gives us a chance. And you're right on the money. That Cummins diesel in particular is an incredibly robust platform for the tuners out there to be able to go ahead and push the boost and get not only the horsepower but the torque ratings up to just extraordinary levels. So that's going to be a cool one. No comparables, obviously. It's a one-of-a-kind custom build. What are you thinking dollar-wise? Well, looking over the craftsmanship that's gone into it, I wouldn't be surprised, John, if this is well over 50, maybe even approaching 75,000, maybe even up to six figures. Okay, sounds like a lot of money, but I'm sure due to the high quality of the build, that's less than the replacement cost. So we'll keep our fingers crossed and see what happens on that one. The other thing too I like about uh, this truck, John, is the interior. Another common trend we're seeing is this very cool distressed, almost baseball mitt leather. And this truck has it. Like I said, I think that's on point from a style standpoint. It's red hot right now. And I think they'll do well with collectors. What about you, John? What's your next pick? Well, let's go to Las Vegas, November 12th through the 14th. Let's take a look at a 1974 Pontiac Trans Am Super Duty, lot number S100. Keep in mind, Super Duty Pontiac Trans Am's only two years, 73 and 74. And to a lot of muscle car enthusiasts, performance enthusiasts, they consider this car, this exact car, the 74, to be the end of the line for the true performance cars. That, of course, can be argued, but I certainly feel it's a contender. 
It's an optional engine. The standard engine uh, was a 400, and then a 455 was optional. And then the Super Duty 455, 290 horsepower. Doesn't sound like much, but back in 1974, that was the hottest performance pony car that you could find. This particular car is gorgeous in Buccaneer red, white interior, turbohydromatic, 400 automatic transmission. It's been beautifully restored. I would expect, once again, another expensive one, well north of $100,000 and maybe even approaching as high as $150,000. It has been freshly treated to an investment-grade, high-quality restoration, and, uh, man, that would be a centerpiece for any collector. Wow. Well, John, I am rounding out my picks with lot number S112 coming to the Houston auction. It is a 1965 Sunbeam Tiger. These things are so neat. What a cool little story behind them. This is a Mark I. It was available from 1964 to 1967. They were built in England and had a Ford V8 underneath the hood. Fun fact about these things is that Shelby actually was involved in the program. Originally was going to be slated to build them. Uh, That plan changed. They were all built in England and he got a royalty check on each just over 7,000 were built this one is so striking in like that British racing green with the mini light racing wheels this thing just looks sharp and looks to be a blast to drive a lot of people feel that the Sunbeam good pick by the way a lot of people feel the Sunbeam Tiger is kind of a poor man's uh, Shelby Cobra and I don't know that that probably is too far off the mark the uh, Tiger never established itself in the high levels of road racing like the Shelby Cobra did but nevertheless if you want some Shelby-inspired V8 transplant power, and you don't quite have the seven-figure budget for an honest-to-goodness Shelby Cobra, these uh, little Tigers, they are a great alternative. They've, They've got great looks. I remember them as a kid in California. They were all over the place back then. And its sister, uh, the Sunbeam Alpine, which is what this car is based on, that was the four-cylinder version. And I'm with you all the way. Anytime you take that combination of British racing green, mini light wheels, giving it that period kind of a road racer look, perfect. And when it comes to value, John, I'm thinking this is bringing 75000 or more. Well, I think you're right on the money. Here's what we're seeing this year in general. Um, as as we start marching towards the end of the year, we've we've sold enough cars, we've held enough auctions under this this unusual world where we can say without hesitation that the market is really strong and the prices are very strong on collector cars. It's this is a good way to invest a few extra dollars and to have something in your garage. Not only can you have a lot of fun taking out driving, but just to get behind the wheel occasionally to look at the aesthetics of these cars. Uh, it takes us back to a time, at least in our minds, where where time was a bit simpler. And then when it comes time to put these vehicles on the market, make them go away, sell them, um, odds are you're going to recover what you paid for. You might make a little bit, maybe you'll lose a little bit. But generally speaking, uh, the forecast over, the, we'll call the short term over the next five years, is pretty stable on collector cars of all types. So it's a good time to buy. You've been listening to Meekham Presents On The Move, brought to you by State Farm. For more information, visit Meekum.com. And join us again next time as we take you inside the world of muscle and collector cars and more.